Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world. With the most candid interviews, unforgettable stories, taking you beyond the ropes. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. Hey, welcome into the Fairways of Life show. Delighted to have your company. So at this time of year, you would think that the game of golf is starting to slow down or at least to quiet down in terms of our moderate news cycle. However, it is quite the opposite. Uh, News continues to churn, and it is compelling, at least from the standpoint of what does it all mean for the future of the PGA Tour, and even larger than that, beyond that perimeter, what does it mean for the game of golf and how it will be structured in the years to come? Some of the time frame on the short end, we may be getting answers in the next few months, but we're not entirely sure. This is from Golf Digest. Headline reading, PGA Tour rejects major sports companies' investment amid Saudi PIF discussions. Joel Bial is the accredited Uh, author of this one, GolfDigest.com is where you can find it. And he writes in part, the PGA Tour has rejected a private equity offer from one of the most powerful entities in sports. It is no secret that several companies are vying to provide financial backing to the PGA Tour amid the tour's ongoing discussions with Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, calling into question if the PIF deal will ultimately come to fruition. Endeavor, the parent company of WWE, the UFC and sports agency IMG, and which has a market value of close to $10 billion, was one of the primary interested investors. Endeavor CEO Ari Emanuel confirmed his company's bid just weeks ago, saying, quote, we are in the sports business, Emmanuel said earlier in October, continuing, I am an avid golfer. It's one of the great sports. I love it. I think we could add to what, We've added to all of our other sports based on the flywheel effect. Close quote on that. However, Endeavor President and CEO Mark Shapiro told Sportico that its offer to invest and partner with the PGA Tour was turned down, quoting as saying, we're big fans of golf and will continue to champion the PGA Tour, but we're not going to be an investor at any level, close quote. Other entities include Fenway Sports Group, which owns, of course, the Boston Red Sox, Pittsburgh Penguins now, and their Premier League team, uh, Liverpool, and the investment firm KKR and company are also rumored to be a part. Earlier this month, the PGA Tour acknowledged these discussions in a memo to its membership saying, quote, we remain focused on reaching a definitive agreement with PIF and the DP World Tour, but not surprisingly, these negotiations have resulted in unsolicited outreach and proposals from a number of other interested investors, close quote. The PGA Tour's Jason Gore wrote in a memo, which has been obtained by Golf Digest, continuing, all of this activity reinforces the tour's strong position and our potential for growth Close quote. The framework agreement between the tour and PIF calls for a new agreement to be completed by the end of 2023, although both sides can agree to extend that deadline. Outside obstacles remain for the PGA Tour PIF partnership. The U.S. Senate opened an investigation into the pending deal, citing the alliance, quote, raises concerns about the Saudi government's role in influencing this effort and the risks posed by a foreign government entity assuming control over a cherished American institution, close quote. The deal could be reviewed by the committee 
on foreign investment in the United States, which analyzes mergers between potential threats to the nation's security. Additionally, the tour continues to be under an antitrust probe by the U.S. Department of Justice, and PIF's investment into the tour is expected to fall under this investigation. What is fascinating to me after all this came out, I think it was golf.com that I saw it on, had on their Instagram account the announcement that the PGA Tour had rejected this bid by Endeavor. And there were, at the time that I looked, 625 comments. One of those comments, however, stood out to me, and it was Hunter Mahan. And I'm paraphrasing when he said, did the players vote on this? And that's remarkable to me for a number of different reasons. One being that until relatively recently, we're talking at least the next two years, at most the, next, the, la- the last two years, I should say, at most the last three, you would never have that sort of a public dialogue going on in and around the PGA Tour. Uh, for one reason, because players didn't want to get fined if they were involved in criticizing what another player did, for example, or uh, decisions that were made by the Tour. All of that was supposed to be kept in-house. You don't hang out uh, your dirty laundry. But this was in a very, very public forum, Instagram, uh, hundreds and hundreds of millions of people, billions around the world that have access. And it was a player openly mocking the headline saying, did the players vote on this? We are absolutely in fascinating, fascinating times. Now, along those lines, and whether it is directly related or not, I don't know yet, and I'm going to tell you why I'm, I'm phrasing this as saying I don't know yet. Joe Ogilvie wrote an open letter to the PGA Tour. You know, Joe Ogilvie, who was a member of the PGA Tour from 1999 until 2014. What's fascinating about Joe's letter is the way that it's getting traction. I am telling you right here, right now, I deliberately did not read the letter until I could read it to you and with you right now. So we're going to share the information from Joe at the same time and we can react accordingly. It's dated the 24th of October, 2023, and he titles it Open Letter to the Membership of the PGA Tour. From 1999 to 2014, I was lucky enough to be in your shoes It was an incredible time to be on tour. Tiger Woods put the world of golf on his shoulders, and everyone involved in the game rode the wave. During that time, the PGA Tour established itself as a tour with no equals. We played in the largest economy in the world. 90% of the tournaments were located within three time zones, perfect courses, a rabid fan base, and the world's most famous athlete, not named Michael Jordan, played on the PGA Tour. It wasn't even a fair fight. Most of those conditions remain today. The U.S. is the largest economy in the world. The PGA Tour plays 90% of its tournaments within three time zones. The courses are the best conditioned globally. The fans are incredible. Instead of one giant needle mover tiger, we have the youngest, deepest collection of stars in the history of the PGA Tour. Just as important, in the age of streaming, sports became the only product you have to watch live. The value of sports on TV and the digital rights exploded just when the PGA Tour's previous TV contract, which was awful, expired. The new TV deal started in 2022, the same year Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, 
Piff put $2 billion into professional golf and created Live Golf. Tiger Woods created a financial wave for my generation. The Lollapalooza effect of new competition coupled with skyrocketing values of sports rights has created a financial tsunami for yours. And this tsunami is why this opportunity to invest in your tour has generated so much interest. Whether it's the Saudi PIF framework agreement or other private equity proposals, they all share something in common. The PGA Tour will be split into two entities. A new for-profit PGA Tour enterprises and a not-for-profit entity, the existing PGA Tour, Inc., The current PGA Tour is organized as a 501c6 and as a tax-exempt entity. By law, there can be no owners. Each one of you is a member of a sports league that exists to promote professional golf, financially support the staging of its tournaments, invest in the PGA Tour organization and all the ancillary products therein. Shotlink, PGATour.com, the TPC Network, the Players, President's Cup, etc. It's confusing, but we are the sole members of a not-for-profit entity that owns a collection of assets worth billions of dollars. How could a 501c6 be worth billions? Let's take the old Honda Classic as an illustration of potential asset value. If this tournament were franchised, like in the NFL, MLB, and NBA, allowing someone to own the only PGA Tour event held in Palm Beaches, the franchise would be worth north of $100 million without breaking a sweat. Now, think about the worth of the players or President's Cup. It is not a stretch to value each in excess of $1.5 billion. More than sports washing, this unique circumstance is why the Saudi PIF and many outside investors are excited to invest in your tour. The Saudi PIF and the other outside investors predominantly operate in the arena of, quote, private equity, close quote, often referred to as P.E. These are large, well-capitalized companies employing many brilliant, ambitious people. P.E.s invest intending to earn outsized returns for their investors, which will lead to enormous pay packages for themselves at exit. The Saudi PIF has other reasons, but despite the rhetoric you hear about unlimited money, they demand a return on their capital. As a result, if a PE firm were to invest $1 billion into a newly formed PGA Tour Enterprises in five or six years, they would expect that $1 billion investment to be worth at least $2 billion. The $1 billion increase in value might be earned by cutting unprofitable parts of the business, selling off or diversifying assets, driving the organization to running leaner and more efficiently, and wisely using debt. They also look for opportunities to invest and capture more revenue. In the PGA Tours case, this could be through an increase in ticket prices, the creation of premium experiences, different tournament venues, cities, and better economics from activities like the Ryder Cup. The Europeans demanded and received ownership around 1987 without paying a dime. These opportunities are initiated through the PE's participation on the board of directors. Make no mistake, any investment by PE will be accompanied by a demand for seats on the entity's board of directors. That commonly is referred to as governance rights. This is a critical point for every tour member to understand. 
If we sell a part of the tour, we are taking on a close partner. It is not dissimilar to getting married. Once consummated, the decision-making by law will require that the best interests of all parties be considered, including your new spouse. We can't take their money and check in with them on occasion. They're in bed with us. They will be a part of our tour. For better or for worse, we must understand the detailed motivations of any new investor and how they participate in the functioning of the board. Therefore, as we consider taking on a financial partner for the tour, it is important we first achieve the following key objectives and consider our unique position. Before any deal is consummated, it is imperative to codify in the PGA Tour bylaws. The policy board of the PGA Tour will be made up of a majority of player directors with identical voting rights as the independent directors. The framework agreement was the most important decision since Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicklaus created the modern PGA Tour and was made without a single PGA Tour player's input, including those players representing you on the PGA Tour policy board. The players must continue to hold governance control of the new for-profit entity and the original not-for-profit entity. Any new seats assumed by an investor must maintain the player's relative control position on the board. As a sole member of a 501c6, the assets of the PGA Tour are unencumbered by legacy ownership. This is important to remember and understand. MLB and NFL established team ownership long before they gave up their 501c6 status. We have a clean slate. The interests of any new investor must be aligned as much as possible with those of the players, elevating and enhancing the stage where the best professional golfers in the world showcase their craft. Improvement in that stage through our venues, investment in the digital product, and TV production will improve the fan experience, which will lead to continued advances in purses. Lastly, culture and values matter in a partner. Golf is a unique game with traditions built over centuries. We want a partner that thinks and invests in decades rather than years. There has never been a better time to be a PGA Tour member. Getting the governance right today will ensure that the stars of tomorrow will feel the same way. Earning the right to call yourself a PGA Tour member is an incredible accomplishment and something that only about .0003% of the world's golfers have earned. I wish you all the best the rest of the fall and much success in 2024 season. My best Joe Ogilvy. All right. Absolutely remarkable what Joe wrote there. And there is so much to unpack in it. In broad strokes, it's important to remember that when Joe was playing during his 15 plus years in the PGA Tour, he was actually nicknamed the Little Commish because he had this ability to understand advanced concepts. He's now currently working in in the in the area of managing money and massive money at that. He's incredibly intelligent on top of everything else. So we can draw all these different pieces together. What I like about what Joe wrote there was Joe was not trying to judge who the partners should be on the PGA Tour. He was judging the merits of how you make a decision of who those partners should be. And along the way, the thing that Joe was saying that was the most important to players 
is that Joe was saying that you need to maintain control because the primary criticism through all of this from the players has been that they were either unaware or they were not involved in the decision. That is something that the tour now vows they will be involved in going forward. Just take that and contrast it against what I was saying earlier about what Hunter Mahan said when the announcement was made that the tour rejected an investment bid from Endeavor, and Hunter Mahan said, well, did the players vote on this? We actually don't know what players were or were not involved in that decision, but what Joe Ogilvie is saying is that its highest levels – At the board level, the players have got to be in a position of control. They cannot be marginalized. Uh, They cannot be a minority voice. And then he's saying, whoever you partner with, you have to make sure that your cultures align. And I believe the most important message is you have to understand This is my interpretation of his words. Bear in mind, you have to understand that the golden rule always applies. That being That person that has the gold is going to make the rules. So all of this, and I felt from the very beginning when the PGA Tour came out and said, no, we're talking about these different agreements and the PGA Tour will be in complete control. From the beginning, that sounded to me more like a message to their membership than it was something that you're going to see in fruition because you're talking about an agreement that is not consummated yet. So what, how that finally turns out Uh, very much is dependent upon the negotiations that are going on right now, not something that is announced at the time of your intent of what you want to do. Uh, So I just think it's fascinating what's happening right now in the game of golf because of the discussions that are going on, the level that these discussions are going on, how transparent Everyone is from a player's perspective, from those that have left the tour, from those that have stayed with the tour, from those that are former tour players. From a player's perspective, there is a transparency level that we have never had before because, in my opinion, they were not in a position, they were not allowed before to be this transparent with their opinions and at sometimes criticisms, sometimes harsh criticisms at that. The game of golf is absolutely at a crossroads and surrounding this landmass of roads are very, very turbulent seas. We'll see how it all settles down. Uh, more of the Fairways of Life show coming up. We are presented by the PGA Tour Superstore, the number one golf retailer in all of the land spread out from coast to coast. More than 60 big, beautiful stores. You need it. You want it. They got it. Better yet, you're working with pros. You can shop with the pros at the PGA Tour Superstore, your happy place. Easy now. Find your happy place. The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! (laughs) Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings. Is this goodbye? We've only just begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. In Ireland, golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses and our world-famous Parkland courses, all set alongside world-famous scenery. And visit our world-famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world-famous hospitality. Fill your heart with Ireland at ireland.com forward slash golf. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. 
it reacts. It is the Bridgestone Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try Bridgestone's Tour Bs, the Tour Ball reinvented. The Gen 6 Iron is a culmination of everything that we have learned as a team. The absolute best golf club I've ever hit. It's something special. Say hello to the new PXG Gen 6 Iron. The longest, most accurate irons we've ever made. They go higher and farther than any iron that I have hit to date. And they're so easy to hit. Super excited for the consumer to try this. They're going to love them. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Baseball? Nah. Football? Done it. I think I'm going to go after the PGA Tour. Bo, you're going to need the right equipment company. I think I got that. You know Tour Edge backs all their clubs with a lifetime warranty. I know. They ship all their premium custom clubs in 48 hours. I know. All their premium clubs are hand-built in the USA. I know. You know Tour Edge has won 35 times out here. Guys, I know. Pound for pound, nothing comes close. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One, zero, one. Gives you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. The Wiz really helped me to keep that consistent swing. You can go out there on your own and just hit balls and it'll fix your golf game. Transition on plane. The Wiz, sold exclusively at thewizgolf.com. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show this Monday. Hope you guys are doing well. Dom, what are you hearing coming in from the people after? I know I loaded a, that. That's a, a lot of stuff to, to, to dump on everybody and on a Monday morning. But uh, I am curious about what we're hearing, what reaction you're getting from well, the people. Well, I mean, the, the stuff coming in from Joe Ogilvie, the, the, the letter that he penned is fascinating, I think. The whole thing is interesting. And uh, it, it shows how complex it is. Andrew, can you put up uh, what is it, the policy board that we have? The graphic with the list of the policy board? Not the player directors, the policy board. Matt, I believe Tiger Woods being added to that list of player directors on the policy board on the right-hand side of your screen. I'll, I'll, I'll read the names. Tiger Woods, Roy McIlroy, Patrick Cantlay, Webb Simpson, Peter Malnati, and Charlie Hoffman. Tiger was added... Mm-hmm. I think he replaced someone who wasn't a player. Isn't that correct? So now that there's six players and previously there was only five, like you were right. talking earlier about the minority versus the majority. Yes, but, but Dom, to your, it, it's still not achieving, as I, as I interpret it, it's still not achieving the objectives that Joe was talking about. So you're saying that TBD right there, which by the way is Randall Stevenson at the at I think he's the CEO or former CEO of AT and T who held that spot. He uh, is like stepped down or whatever. I'm not sure. I I, I haven't seen a replacement, Matt. Have you? I don't think they've had, no. they've named one yet. No, I, but I but I have a feeling that you it, it's harder than you think to do that because of all of these different philosophies that so are your argument is your or not argument but you're saying you're saying joe ogilvie is saying there needs to be seven or eight players on this policy board and three or four other guys instead you've got six players five non-players and a to be determined who more than likely won't be a player right that, that what he's saying so simply is six. 
it's it's your league. You own it. You should have majority representation. That's what he's saying, in my interpretation. Um, let's see here. I don't think the PGA Tour will ever change, Neil says. Let them handle their problems. There's multiple people who are saying, uh, using the term dumpster fire. This whole thing is a dumpster fire. You As know, I've but, said but many the, times that first program, note that you just read, of all of this is good. I like it. It's fun to, fun to, fun to watch unfold. Uh, that's your chaos theory that Dom, Dom said. He I was. love it. I love it. This is great. Every day. It's something new. Like what, you know, the weekend happens and you're like, well, there's no major, there wasn't any huge massive golf tournaments this weekend. And then boom, right in my lap. It's like, <laughs> it's like someone's lighting. They're like, oh, that fire's really dying down. Pour some gasoline on that. <laughs> yeah. But, but, like but that four first, days with this stuff. the first great. comment that you read from Neil is the one that, that, continues to stick in my mind and it, could you reread that one or is it is it way past you now i know you scroll fast which one neil you said that i don't think that the, the pga tour will ever change yep continue let them handle their problems first that was the second thing let them handle their problems first that that stuck in my mind because i'm thinking to myself that for the first time in the history of the tour we actually know publicly what what people are thinking about. That, that's what I was saying to you in the last segment. For the first time in the history of the tour, we're hearing from different players, current, former, etc., uh, and they're telling us what they're thinking. I mean, did you see? Did you see all the stuff from Phil Mickelson this past weekend, Dom? Uh, I did. Yes, I don't think we. I don't think we dragged that from his Twitter, but yeah, he posted like a big, a big long. No, what <laughs> he always posts. I'll paraphrase again for you because it provides us with context where where Phil's basically saying, let me tell you what's going on here. This is not the first time these entities have made bids or have tried to invest. And they were shut down here or shut down there. Now, you, you're going to get a variety of different uh, opinions, opinions being, say, for for example, from a tour perspective or, or from Phil's perspective. And Phil's whole thing, again, I'm paraphrasing all of this to my interpretation. If you have a different one, share it. That built that what Phil is saying was that this is all about maintaining control. That's what his complaint is. And control means money and all the rest. Yes. But it's about control. And it's fascinating to see what is happening in terms of these conversations. I think you, you have to take all of it in terms of a measure of reason to go, okay, are there emotions involved? Obviously. Are there agendas involved? Most probably. So you have to take all of that in, into consideration as, you, as you're kind of mixing this gumbo up. But what is happening in terms of, and I, and I get this, Dom, from your perspective, from a producer of a, a golf television show and, and, and radio show, it, it has a profound impact to, in a way that we've never seen or heard before. Because golf, and I've told you guys this a million times, for the last 30 years, and I talk about Phil Mickelson, he was one of, he was one of the chief proponents. Uh, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson controlled their message. For better or for worse, like them, love them, hate them, whatever. Doesn't matter, doesn't change the, the fact, doesn't change the reality that they controlled their message. And it came in very subtle ways, and it came in very much in-your-face ways. The in-your-face ways from a journalist's perspective was uh, the round would, would finish and Tiger and Phil were absolutely 
geniuses at crafting the story that they wanted you to write. I was in a scrum one time with Phil Mickelson. I was actually standing to his left. Reporter was standing in front of him. It was Steve DeMeglio from uh, USA Today. Steve had his pad. You guys are the perspective of Phil Mickelson. I'm Steve DeMeglio, and I'm writing down what Phil's saying. Phil, standing over Steve, was looking down at Steve's pad. Steve is writing on his pad, so the writing is in front of Steve. It is upside down from Phil Mickelson, and Phil Mickelson's looking down at the pad, and he goes, no, no, I didn't say that. I said this. He literally corrected what Steve wrote, looking at it upside down. That's what I'm talking about in terms of the depth of control. And again, I'm not putting any judgment on it. I'm giving you facts. Whether you love them, whether you hate them, it's irrelevant to this conversation. A tiger was the same way. Tiger went out and had a round. I'll give you an example where he putted poorly. Tiger never putted poorly in the post round in back of the day. It was, I trouble, I had trouble getting the speed of the greens. That kind of comedy. Which, of course, from an observer's standpoint, would imply that there was an inconsistency in the speed of the greens. Meanwhile, of course, someone went out and shot seven or eight under. So maybe they adjust better. Don't know. At that time and place, maybe they did. Again, it doesn't matter. Love him, hate him, it makes no difference to what I'm telling you. I'm telling you, this is how it was structured. The more subtle ways was the understanding was if you needed access to these guys and you didn't play the game, in other words, you ask the questions that they want you to ask, you treat things the way that they want you treated. In other words, if there was a sponsorship involved, nobody was better at Phil Mickelson than planting the seed and hoping that it would germinate. And many times there was a commercial agenda associated with that. Okay, that's his business. That's what he does. But if for whatever reason you went sideways with them and you failed to play the game, your access would be cut off. So now go back to your assignment editor in whatever medium of journalism you're in, for example. And your assignment editor goes, hey, they're in XYZ City. Let's say Milwaukee. They're in Milwaukee this week. Find out from... Whatever, player, Tiger, Phil, any of the other top players. Find out where they like to go there. What's their favorite steakhouse in Milwaukee? Great, a little article for, for the local, right? Uh, but maybe, maybe you were the, the big golf writer from back in the day, of which there's a tiny percentage of those guys that still exist. Back in the day, a columnist from a local city like that would be sent to the events, definitely to the majors, but also to a lot of the tour events. doesn't exist anymore. That's got nothing to do with the guys I'm talking about. It's got nothing to do with Tiger and Phil. It's got to do with economies of scale. It's got to do with everything else that Joe Ogilvie was talking about with the PE money. Right? Now the newspapers look at it and go, well, I got Doug Ferguson in Associated Press. I'm going to take his article. Why should I send you down there? So a lot of those old golf writers are gone. They found other places, a few of them, not many. By comparison to how many are, are out of the picture now, it's absolutely remarkable the way uh, that facet of golf media has changed. So here we think that because of digital, because of Internet, because of the World Wide Web better, that our sources of stories would explode from hundreds to millions or tens of millions of more in many cases, it's gone the opposite direction. 
your sources of information in, in terms of news organizations have dwindled. So again, whether you like it or dislike it, if that news organization has a particular bent, if they have a particular agenda, then you're only getting a few news sources. So you have to kind of weed your way through whether you like or dislike the message that's built around the message. That's today's world. I often refer to it as red state, blue state, because that's the way politically they represent much of the United States. It seems that you cannot be on one side or the other with, first of all, without being vilified but by the other side. But you're forced into taking hard lines instead of sitting back with reason and going, well, I like a little bit of this and I like a little bit of that. And I don't like perhaps what surrounds it. To me, people should have a right to make a decision that they want instead of being forced into an ideology. That's another discussion for another day. Uh, but anyway, that's, that control extended across the board. So golf's entities, governing bodies, also exercised that same control. These were the rules of engagement. You play the, you play the game the way we want it played. And it extended all the way through. So there was a great article. I probably won't get to it today. Maybe tomorrow we'll have time to get to it. Where Eamon Lynch uh, wrote for Golf Week this week about the tour, who you may have heard suspended two players in the Corn Ferry Tour for betting. Right? You can't bet on the sport. And they suspended him. And then Eamon went into transparency. And the challenges that you're going to have, if you're going to align yourself with betting entities, which that's what the sports leagues are doing. But if you're going to align yourself with these betting entities, then you have to engage in transparency. And all I have to say to you to to illustrate what I'm talking about is when Dustin Johnson, we were told, hurt his back taking a a sea dew out of the water, if memory serves me, and the ailment was such that he was out for six months and a day. But that's a a discussion. Maybe we'll have that discussion tomorrow. So anyway, um, you can carry on with a few more messages if you want to. But but what what I'm saying is that what is happening right now has never happened before. And I know I say that and you go, of course, that's a celebration of the obvious. I get it. But I'm not talking about a new league forming and I'm not talking about negotiations. I'm not talking about all of that. I'm talking about the level of comments that we're getting from people that either are or should be on the inside on one side or the other. Again, I'm not I'm not defining positions here i'm actively trying to 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 embrace the philosophy that i just told you that our job is to bring you facts you interpret the facts you come to your conclusion of what you think it means don what else you got plenty coming in derek says the money will come from advertising and increased prices for fans two things we the fans are not billionaires and remember every tournament only works because of the generous support of volunteers without volunteers No tournament in the world could be run. Greg writes, Joe, speaking obviously, of course, to Joe Ogilvie, only one problem, the players do not hold any governance control or else you might not be already in this position. Which is interesting. Well, he's he's saying Um, they should, though. Keep in mind that, in fairness to Joe. 
Uh, uh, yes, I think that's true. Uh, it was. Uh, let's see. Uh, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of people who are um, fiery about this. There's there's a lot of emotion with how this is sort of unfolding. Not just with Liv, but w- with Piff. Just with. It feels like Matt. You're talking about we've never been in this position for. It feels a little bit like golf is at a crossroads as a sport. And the next 10 or 20 years could look very different for the sport if we go this way versus that way. And I'm not saying one is good or bad. I'm just saying that it's just, it just seems so up in the air and gray area. And I think that the, the fieriness that I mentioned here, it's tied so closely to the emotions of our game, right? Golf is so unique. It's why we love it. It's so unique in that sense and that we, we all have this nostalgic pull. There's, there's an emotional tie to the sport that there isn't necessarily when you're sitting down to watch an NBA game or you watch some people play basketball. There's just something about our sport that, that hits different emotionally. And so I think because of that, you, you, get, you, get, you get anger. You get happiness. The, the joy and the anger are so deep that people, they feel so invested, Matt. They're so invested in the long-term benefits or detriments to what, what this is going to mean for our sport, which I guess is why we love it so much, Matt. But it's also, I don't know, it also shows you how much these people have invested in the end game of what's, what's transpiring right now. And I think so, part of it, Dom, in, in my view, is it, the reason why, to, to quote you, hits differently emotionally I think the reason why is because golf as a major sports entity is different than all of the other major sports entities in that we play the game. Uh, Football is by far the biggest fan engagement sport in the United States, whether we're talking about the NFL or whether we're talking about college football. Uh, But I would venture to guess that the percentage of people that love the sport and engage in it uh, passionately that actually play the sport at any time in their lives currently, not past, currently, uh, will pick up a football and, and do anything that's a semblance of playing football to be the same percentage as Joe quoted as those who made it to the PGA Tour from the game at large, point zero 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 three percent right? So with the game of golf, it's different because a massive percentage of the fan base plays the game. So there's this sense of when, when Tiger hits that chip shot at Augusta National uh, with, with Chris DeMarco standing there watching it and it creeps up to the hole, logo up, drops in the hole. There's a sense that we have, regardless of what level we play the game at, we have a sense of how difficult that shot is. And the magic of the game of golf, whether we're talking about a putt or whether we're talking about a wedge shot or whatever it is, the magic about the game of golf is that while it is incredibly infrequent by comparison, we can hit a shot that approximates. So to me, that's, I think, what makes golf so very, very different because it's watched with a different set of eyes. It's watched with a set of eyes that almost regardless of the age of the person watching, they could well be still playing the game of golf. And so that's very different than, than I think everybody else. Just, just one guy's opinion in terms of how I think it hits differently emotionally. There's just one other uh, comment I wanted to read, which I think is fascinating sort of to wrap a bow around this. Chase wrote, 
what the hell are they even buying? And I think that's a really interesting take because they're in a battle right now with what the structure of all this is going to look like. And I think it's a fair question to ask. What are they buying? We don't know what golf's going to look like in two years. Formulaically, structure-wise, tournament-wise, we don't know the answers to any of those questions right now. And it feels like there could be a lot of different options. There could be a lot of different ways that I could see it unfold. So it is a fair question to be asked when you're sitting at that table. Like, what is this going to look like? What am I paying for here? I'm not even sure. But the, the answer, the front end answer is pretty straightforward. What they're buying, as Joe illustrated as well, what they're buying is the opportunity to profit from the endeavor. Now, you could look at that and go, you can't tell me the PGA Tour hasn't profited. Their assets are worth billions of dollars. That's correct. But they are still not-for-profit entity. So they, all those profits, basically, just the, 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 uh, they have appraised growth and value. What they're talking about doing with this new co-company is taking all of the revenue-generating sides of what they do, which includes television contracts, et cetera, and folding it into the for-profit entity. So, and again, I think Joe nailed it right on the head. Whoever the partners are, their intent in investing money is not just because they love the game. It's because they expect a return on their investment. And when these PE sources of capital come in, their intent is to give you the money you need to expand, to give you the money you need to also become far more efficient in what you do and how you do it. When Joe was talking about uh, valuations, of, he was talking about in particular players and Ryder Cup. Joe's a business guy now. Joe's a money guy now. So when I saw when I saw those valuations in his letter, because I, I I heard and saw the letter the same as, as you guys just now, and he was he was valuing them at, at one point five billion. Well, if you if you're in the money markets, then you know that the 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 purchase of an asset in those arenas generally is one times or ten times annual profit or one times. Uh, your your revenue, right? So if he's if he's looking at an entity and saying that it's worth one point five billion, then Joe is telling us, and this this is rough approximation. Joe is telling us that these events can generate one hundred and fifty million dollars. Think about that for a second. How big that is. It's absolutely massive if it's worth $1.5 billion. Now, there's other factors that obviously can go into that, too. But that includes all the, all the revenue you're taking in, revenue uh, from television, from ticket sales, et cetera. You know, somebody said something about prices of ticket sales. I don't think you can go crazy with, with prices and ticket sales. And I'm saying that against the reality of MLB tickets, NFL tickets, NBA tickets. I've asked you this question before because I don't, I don't know the answer. And, and Dom, like when you go to an NBA game now, can you and your wife and your two kids go to an NBA game or are all the tickets basically now priced for corporate ownership? 
You know, I'm mean, talking about a good seat. I'm not talking about something that's nosebleed. I'm just talking about a, a decent seat, you know, near the lower bowl or maybe even a few rows in. What w- what does something like that cost now to go to a game? It's very dependent upon, ironically, not to go down another rabbit hole. It's very much based and dependent upon the stars involved. Like we talk about golf, right? And whether ratings are going to go to this guy or that guy, Rory or Tiger. If they're not there, the tournament not, doesn't matter as much, etc. If you're going to see LeBron James play on the Lakers, ticket prices are astronomical and outrageous. If you're just going to see two really bad basketball teams play, you can find enough, well, relatively affordable seat. But the short aren't answer you ta- to your aren't you talking that, secondary market though? I'm talking about season tickets. I mean, they're not going to change the price because uh, uh, LeBron's I, in town. If here, okay, huh. if you're talking about season tickets again, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole and I don't want to upset anybody watching. In my opinion, right? I'm now a 40 year old guy. I got two kids. I got a young family. In my opinion, NHL. NBA, NFL, in the United States, I'm talking about these sports. Uh, baseball, talking about uh, football, basketball, not affordable, full stop. Seats are not affordable. Season seats are not affordable. Game day seats, just one, oh, I'll take my kids to the lower bowl, like you said. It's not affordable. It's out, all, right. all of them are So who's buying them? That, that was a question I Hundreds asked. Hundreds of dollars of seats. Is it, is it corporate? Well, entities? sometimes a lot of it is corporate, and a lot of it is purchased through corporate, and then sent out separately. So I'll give you a very specific example. The Carolina Hurricanes are uh, our local team here, the hockey team in the United States where I am in North Carolina. My wife works at a hospital. The hospital has seats, probably season seats. And every now and again, because I'm sure they use them for their clients, they'll offer seats to the general staff at a a discounted rate. So we can afford seats for, for one game a year, when the hospital decides to offer them to my wife at a discounted rate. That's it. If we went to buy those seats, at the, as, you, as you referenced, the lower bowl of a stadium or whatever you're in, I mean, it's hundreds of dollars per seat. Mm-hmm. For a normal adult with, with kids, it's out. I mean, and that doesn't include $10 for a bad beer and $12 for an inedible hot dog, which is what it is. So it's it, – and that – that is in my. I've been to a lot of sports, a lot of games, NFL games, NBA games. They are outrageously overpriced. Full stop. My opinion. I mean, again, maybe there's someone there. Maybe there's someone watching right now who's like, oh, three hundred and fifty dollars to sit, you know, in the middle somewhere so you can see the game is totally worth the price of admission. I yeah, don't but, agree with that. But you have to multiply but, that by you know, it, 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 Major League Baseball eighty games. I mean, it's it's crazy. The investment is massive. It's so anyway, that, that was, well, if you're looking for season tickets, yes. But even one game I'm talking about, if I want to take my family to see a hockey game, like we did last year, that was like the Christmas present for the family. I mean, there's four of us. That is an insane amount of money just to go watch a hockey game. And we weren't even close. We were on like the upper deck (laughs) and it's a fun thing to take to your kids to, or your family or your friend. Going to a sporting event that's live is awesome, especially inside of a stadium. So hmm. golf is actually kind of affordable. If you take your family to go see a you know, Thursday round of an event, it's not that. It's nowhere near the cost of like an NBA ticket. It is, it is very, very interesting. I mean, and, it's, and it stands to, this is a whole other subject again for another day. 
the divide between the game of golf, and I hope this doesn't come as a severe you me, shock you to You made anybody. me angry. Like, I'm annoyed now. <laughs> Dom is like annoyed frustrated. now. The, the game of golf is not defined by its major tours. I'm not sure if the tours would like you to believe that or otherwise. I'm not sure if the advertisers would like you to believe that or otherwise. But the, the churning machine behind the game of golf is actually you guys. The game of golf is a $102 billion direct economic engine in the U.S. economy. $102 billion. The vast majority of that comes from you. Believe it or not. People forget that. The 16,000-plus golf courses around the United States. And now the, the whole part of the industry that are people with club in hand and they're hitting a golf ball that exist in other venues that are off course. $102 billion. So, yeah, that would be a fascinating conversation sometime in terms of how and what and where we think the the what drives the game of golf and what really drives the game of golf certainly you guys are very much influenced by what goes on what the biggest players in the world do but in terms of the game of golf and how we consume it and what it will be in 10 or 20 years you have a lot more to do with it than anybody on the levels that we're talking about. It's, it's absolutely incredible, but I get that it's, that it's what we love to do and what we love to talk about. And when we come back, uh, I'm going to take you down the road of talking about a couple events that wrapped up this weekend. And we have for you the winners of the same and notables. Otherwise, as the fairways of life show continues to WizGolf.com is where you can log on and see how and why your game can be better than what it is. Is that a shock to you? When I say your game can be better, Everybody believes that. The best in the world believes that. Ben Hogan said he never went out once without learning something new on the golf course. Well, DeWiz Golf is a swing monitor because of the data that you get back from this incredible wearable device. It is a myriad of data, and once you get it, you can use it as a modifier of your golf swing. Where are you on your swing? Where is your backswing? Where is your plane? What is your tempo, etc.? DeWizGolf.com for more. I guess, hello world, huh? Wow. With one subtle hello, Tiger began an amazing and unthinkable career. I've done it for 20 years now with with Bridgestone. It allows me to play an aggressive style around the greens, and it's allowed me to win a lot of tournaments. Bridgestone Golf, proud to be part of your journey. Boyne Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to BoyneGolf.com. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One, zero, one. Gives you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. The Wiz have really helped me to keep that consistent swing. You can go out there on your own and just hit balls and it'll fix your golf game. 
Transition on plane. DeWiz, sold exclusively at DeWizGolf.com. Relax. Easy now. Find your happy place. PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! <laughs> Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings. Is this goodbye? We've only just begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. What if we started a company and the company was under no time constraints, no financial constraints? The one constraint is their clubs had to be exceptional performers and much better than any other alternative. I was told time and again it'll never work. It worked like a house of fire. And I'll tell you what, I think our customers love it. BXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Zero Friction introduces the Wheel Pro Push Cart Golf Bag with its revolutionary three-in-one design, supportive legs that spring into action, a comfort grip handle with three locking positions, accessories for the modern golfer enhanced by seven pockets for more storage, and removable all-terrain wheels which slide right into place. The new Zero Friction Wheel Pro Golf Bag checks every box for every golfer. Push, carry, or cart. The decision is yours thanks to Zero Friction. Head to ZeroFriction.com today. Back to the Fairways of Life show. show didn't end when we were at break there. It just continued. Dom's banging his fist on the table, swearing the away. What, uh, what did you find out, Dom? What, what is it that you said we got to talk about well, this? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking up the stats for the ticket prices because you guys know how I am. I, don't, I mean, I'll, I'll throw stuff out there without anything to back it up, and then I uh, irritate myself without having hard data to back it up. Because I know what I'm saying is generally correct, but I don't have data. Now I've got a couple data points which are just insane. The average ticket cost for Major League Baseball in the United States, where we are, it's broken down by team. But if you want to go see a Chicago Cubs game, this is average, okay? This is not the lower bowl that Matt was talking about. This is the average cost for, you know, a hot dog parking ticket price, $170 per person. And the average person is going to have not great seats. That's, that's Major League Baseball. This is the, the, the NFL. This is, uh, this is from 2021. The average cost of a family of four to attend an NFL football game in 2021. Average. Again, these are not good seats. On the average, you're not going to sit in the lower bowl. $570. What? For a family of four. That is that's total. absolutely insane. That's the, that's the average cost. Average cost for a family of four to go to an NFL game. And I was looking up uh, golf-specific stuff. So the Masters is, as we all know, I, I don't know if maybe the people watching are any different than me, but... I know I'm in the media. Quote, I enter the Masters Lottery every year. Every year I want tickets. And I always max out the drop-down menus. I'm like, I want seven tickets of that, seven tickets of that, seven tickets of that. And I lose every year. For decades, I've been losing in the Masters Lottery. I've gotten it, I've but, gotten it twice. I've, I go, I, yeah, I've actually won have. the lottery twice. That's good for you. No, I don't so, mean it that way. I don't mean it from a bragging you, standpoint. I mean you, it that you try and try and try and try and try. I've gotten it twice. Yeah, but then when you get it, what happens? You get an email. They're like, congratulations. You owe us $500. <laughs> it's like $100, $150 for a practice day seat. 
for a ticket to the grounds. The, the PGA Championship, which I'm looking at right now, is at Valhalla in 2024. The tickets for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at the PGA Championship are sold out for tournament play, which is, I mean, good news, right, in theory, right? It's great news for fans, and it's exciting. That's great news. You can still get tickets on Thursday. Uh, Thursday is tournament day. The Cheapest available grounds pass to the PGA Championship next year on Thursday starts at two hundred dollars per person. Whoa! So, again, these are all hard numbers. I know I'm throwing them out there quickly there, but I mean, what I said in the last segment about just being irritated about how expensive it is. I'm reading these numbers from all these sports to you, and it's it's absolute hard proof. These are average ticket prices for the average person. Now, ticket prices in the nosebleeds are slightly lower, but if I'm if I'm bringing a family of four to the nosebleeds, it shouldn't cost me four hundred dollars. Where you can honestly, you can't even really see it very well anyway. And if you're trying to bring a, a kid, let's say ten or twelve and under, right? You're trying to. They're there to see heroes. It's a big moment for them. They want to be next to the athletes. They whatever the sport is, they're trying to grow the sport. They want the athletes interacting with the kids, high fives, you know, autograph lines. You can't do any of that garbage from the nosebleeds. And that's where most people have to sit. And I wish I had information. I was searching, Matt. I couldn't find it, hard data, to support what you were mentioning about corporate, about how corporate buys a lot of this stuff out and then farms it out to clients or whatever. I know that that's prevalent. I I just can't find hard data to back it up. So I, I don't really know what to, how to comment on that, but we obviously know that a lot of those tickets are purchased, you know, sort of before market by huge corporations in big bulk. Fascinating stuff. It's all I fascinating. Know. I mean, what do you think? Are those numbers higher than you anticipated? Is that is that higher or, or is that less than you thought? Some no. of those numbers I gave you. I, I first of all, my re, my initial reaction was just shocked because the numbers are what they are. But upon reflection. It doesn't surprise me because I took I went with Donna and our two boys to a a Red Sox game a few years ago. I didn't pay for the tickets. I got the tickets given to me because at the time I was I was running a resort golf uh, club and we were doing a lot of advertising with this radio station. The radio station had season tickets, so they gave us four season tickets. Great seats, probably 10, 20 rows back on the third baseline, uh, just just past uh, third base and with the tickets now obviously we had to pay for our own parking parking was forty dollars and this was this was i mean we've been here we've been in orlando now for 10 years so this had to be 12 years ago uh we had to pay pay for parking like you said get the you know the kids want food something to drink uh fenway park bless him sells uh guinness so i was drinking that uh when it was all said and done With the value of the tickets and what I spent, uh, it was over $400 for that day. And I I was just thinking about that as, you know, a a family at a Red Sox game with with two young sons. And again, with all the games that exist in a season, could you spend, and if you can, more power to you, but could you, would you spend $400 a game, uh, it just—it's remarkable to me, and so that—that's why—that's why I asked the question, and I was asking it in earnest, and it, it, 
you know, innocently to say, uh, who's who who's spending that kind of money? Is it are there individuals? I know there are, but but are there individuals that mostly the vast majority, you know, corporate purchases? Uh, because that's just so much. Yeah, I don't know what you want me to say. I don't. I mean, it's as well, a parent, I'm just frustrated by the whole thing. I mean, it's it's it awful. is. All right, so because because so I promised everybody this stuff, let me get to it, Dom. Because th- these conversations we're having, I think, could go on for multiple shows for a long, long time. Uh, Maybach cha- Championship, Celine Boutier won. Well, again, uh, on the world stage, but this time to do it, she had to play nine playoff holes. Here is Celine and her reaction to her victory. I mean, right now, I, I feel great. I feel like uh, it was definitely a grind um, this whole week, but especially today. Uh, and just being in, in the playoff is not always easy to handle, but uh, just very happy with the outcome, obviously, and very happy with the way uh, I handled the whole week. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't expect it to be that long, to be honest. Um, I was just trying to do my best um, each hole, and each time I had an opportunity to have a playoff, and I feel like uh, we were both, you know, very close and to winning a few times, uh, and I just feel like you just had to um, p- p- make a birdie, essentially. I just knew that uh, she wasn't going to make a mistake, and so I had to go for it and give myself the best chances for birdies, and... Um, yeah, I feel like uh, she's an amazing player, and so I feel like it was definitely nerve-wracking. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just feel uh, very uh, happy to uh, to have held on uh, for that long. Uh, yeah, I mean, coming into the day, I knew it was a long shot. I was uh, quite a few shots back, and I also knew this course is pretty scorable. Um, so I wasn't sure, you know, what uh, the leaders are going to be like, but I was just trying to focus on my own game and just... Um, you know, make as many birdies as I could and um, and just see at the end. And I feel like it's something, you know, the, what the others are going to shoot, you don't really know, you don't really can control. So I was just trying to shoot the lowest score I could. Um, I definitely wanted um, to win that award at some point in my career. I definitely did not expect it to be this season. Um, I just feel like it's uh, so hard to just be able to win already and just to be able to um, you know have the chance to have this award at the end of the season is something that I definitely don't take for granted I feel like it's uh, an unbelievable amount of talent on tour and so very happy to be uh, able to lead um, for that award this year. Uh, Thidakul and Boutier had the second largest playoff in the history of the LPGA yesterday. Uh, Rosang ended up finishing third, and she reacted at uh, 19 under par. She reacted to the week and the season as yet. I felt like it was a really incredible week for me. Um, it's been a while since I've been in contention, been at the top 10, and I just feel really lucky to be in that position. Um, I still have lots to learn, lots to improve on, but I feel like it's all up from here. I'm really glad to have everyone supporting me. And it was just good to be out there and keep playing my game. Mm -hmm. I think for me, it's just important to understand what my routine is. And I realized what's been working for me, what I have to work on. Um, Short game, definitely much needed practice. It almost felt like I was yipping it out there. But um, I really just am really happy that I have those kind of improving points to work on. Uh, it kind of makes me hopeful for whatever is to come. 
feels incredible um, for me to. I think the next two events are also just learning processes.、Um, you know, in Japan, I'm super excited to just go enjoy the cuisine, go enjoy the entire country,、uh, and then once I rest a little bit, maybe like a week off. CME is going to happen and、um, close out the year with a couple other events. So I think there's a lot of potential.、Uh, I'll still be keeping my pedals moving and、uh, keep working. All right. So on the DP World Tour, the Qatar Masters was the site of Sami Valamaki's victory. He has now worked his way all the way up to seventh. And the race to Dubai standings. He was asked how he would react to what he did today.、Uh, I find it really tough. I, even I played nicely, but just、uh, it was really tough out there. And of course, just to finish, find a couple really good shots with my wedge and made those birdies in the playoff and the seventeenth. I must say because we actually we played the first first two rounds together. We played nicely. Both was ten under. And yesterday, really good rounds as well. And today we just kept fighting. I little bit kept him away in、uh, in the start, but then on the back nine, it was really tight game. Of course, it's it's so great, and I mean, it's gonna be good fun. In the next week, we gonna holiday week, so we can enjoy it a bit more over there. I mean, my goal has been, of course, get the one win, but make it to the PGA Tour. So I hope I can now, now make it through, and we'll see what's going to happen. All right, <laughs> Sammy Valamaki, after his victory, I'm laughing because our conversations about all the ticket price and stuff is going on as we continue with the show. Hey, Ross Fisher ended up securing his card in the DP World Tour.、Uh, you might remember Ross Fisher both from. Uh, as a Ryder Cup player, passed and also a past winner on the European Tour. Well, he's back for another year in 24. Yeah, pretty,、uh, pretty pleased if I'm honest, Josh.、Um, always knew it was going to be a tough day, but、um, I knew I had it in me. You know, it's been a long, long four weeks.、Um, you know, played some really, really good golf, but just like I said to you, I think after Thursday, just the putters just really let me down this year. You know. Looking at the stats and seeing yourself as ranked number one greens and regulation, but you know, towards dead last in putting, I needed to do something. So I worked, you know, really really hard.、Um, switch putters for the week of the Dunhill,、um, and it was it definitely had an improvement.、Um, you know, I, I I should have sewn it up a little bit sooner, but if it wasn't. For you know, poor Sunday finishes in、um, Madrid and Soto Grande, you know, would have been all sewn up. But you know, it was nice to come here and actually didn't realise the short one on 18, second round was actually to make the cut. I figured I had one one shot buffer, so、uh, to actually make it and then go right, I've got two more rounds. Let's just leave it all out there and played great yesterday. Only managed one under,、um, and I've played really, really well today.、Um, you know. Couple of putts here and there, lipped out, sort of thinking maybe it's not going to be my week,、um, and then just to make a, a couple of good putts coming home to see predicted, keeping my card. I'm obviously absolutely delighted.、Yeah. I felt pretty good to be honest up until maybe I think tee shot on three, maybe got just a little bit nervy on that one、um, and dropped a shot there. Kind of had a massive horseshoe from about 45, 50 feet for par. 
um, but then came right back with a really good birdie on the next hole and then I gave myself chances coming home a um, couple of really good two putts on, on six and seven um, really good lag putt on eight and then nine kind of got up there and I was like geez that was a little bit close for, for comfort but you know I hit a lovely shot in there and unfortunately just didn't hit, didn't hit a very good putt but you know managed to leave myself a nice one for par and then obviously to you know have a nice little hug with Nico was pretty uh, pretty cool we've both been out here a long time and then see my physio dingers saying you know I think you, you're going to be good so yeah I would say very relieved and um, we'll enjoy uh, you know a bit of time off now all right, there's more golf coming up this week. We'll be talking about it as the week progresses. Worldwide Technologies Championship under the PGA Tour's umbrella. The LPGA Tour has the Japan Classic, the PGA Tour Champions, the Timber Tech Championship. Uh, tomorrow, I'll try to give you some airtimes of those as we wrap up the show. As we wrap up today's show, I say thank you, as always, for your passion. You guys are still weighing in very heavily. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to get into some more of these subjects, including I do want to talk about that article by Eamon Lynch and the prospect of the need for transparency if you're going to align yourself with betting entities and what does it all mean. I'm sure you guys have a lot to comment on that about as well. Looking forward to it. Until then, have a great one. Bye for now.